Our third reading this morning from the Gospel of Matthew, our third reason, reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21. Jesus said to the people, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves more than the first time, and they treated them the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Now, when the landowner of the, the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? The people said to him, he will put those wretch, wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to another tenant who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's day, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people that produce the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The word of the Lord. So wonderful. Thank you to all the kids who were willing to be videoed um, to sort of share the message of Jesus' love this morning. I want to start our sermon today by saying happy Rally Day once again to everybody. I love Rally Day. It's one of my favorite days of the church year because we kick off all of our fall programming and it's when we get to commit once again to sort of the congregational side of our baptismal vows. You see, during each baptism, vows are made, right? We are fulfilling God's promise, and there's someone else who makes a promise during baptism. But in the Lutheran church, it is not the person being baptized who makes that promise, rather the congregation. Yes, the, the sponsors and the parents make promises, but then the pastor asks the assembly, those gathered in the church, if they can promise to support the name of the baptized person um, and pray for them in their new life in Christ. And the whole congregation responds, we do. You see, baptized uh, members of the body of Christ enter in with the support of the whole church, of all that have gathered in the name of Jesus that morning. And so I love Rally Day because it's when we re-energize, we recommit to these promises, to raising up each other in the truth and the knowledge of Christ our Lord. And we've seen the fruits of this labor today. As our kids sing Jesus Love Me and do hand sign language with it, we can see how we have taught them in the past, how we have fulfilled part of our promises. 
But when we remember that our kids have this promise sort of comforting, wrapping over them to raise them up in faith, we have to recognize that we as well have had people make this promise over us. And we too are to be raised up in faith. Baptismal promises are what define our church community. It's how you're able to tell um, why we are doing what we're doing. It's why we include and we teach and we love and we pray for each other because we promise to do it in baptism. Our reading from Exodus this morning is also about defining community and promises that God has made and that people are trying to keep. The book of Exodus, you see, is all about who does and does not belong. We've read about God delivering the Israelites from Egypt, taking them out of captivity, splitting a sea for them. We know that they're wandering around in the desert, aware that they're God's people, but not quite aware of what that means just yet. They're trying to figure out what defines this new community. And so we see the Israelites in the book of Exodus keep looking to the wrong place. They, they build a golden calf to worship because they need something tangible. They say maybe things were better when Pharaoh was in charge because at least we had a leader we could look to who maybe helped us, maybe just someone to blame. They wander around in the desert looking for a place to dig their roots in, something that will define who they are by their earthly standards. But none of these external signs are what God tells them is who they are. You see, God gives them, you see, um, God has already delivered them from Egypt. God has already chosen them to be God's people. And from where God is sitting, that is what defines the Israelites. That is the border of their community. It is that they are God's chosen people. And it is from this place that God tells them what they're supposed to do. Those Ten Commandments we read this morning are given to the Israelites after God has delivered them because they are not sure how they're supposed to act now that they are no longer Pharaoh's people. So God gives them this covenant, this commandment, well, Ten Commandments, really, depending on how you parse it out, saying, this is how you act now that you are my people. And we teach these Ten Commandments to our kids in church, usually right after they master, Jesus loves me. We teach them that they are God's people, and then we show them what we are told to do because we are God's people. I have an example of this searching for belonging in community borders from my daily life that I'd like to share with you this morning. It happened just a few days ago. You see, the apartment complex I live in, it's run by my school, has a set of COVID guidelines for this year. They were given to us with our leases. We were all asked to sign on saying we would follow them. And they're pretty similar to what you experience at malls or grocery stores nowadays, right? Wear a mask, distance, wash your hands, try not to be in too large of groups, stay outside when you can. We're all sort of aware of these policies. And so all my apartment community really did was make it official. They had a sign on saying we would commit to living that way in our community. And so the other day I was sitting on a friend's porch near our playground and I heard a kid say to one of his friends, definitely too loudly, I know he 
doesn't live here because he's not wearing a mask. And we watched the kid on the playground who wasn't wearing a mask hear this boy say that. And all of a sudden, he knew that those kids knew that everyone within earshot knew that he was not a part of our community because he wasn't following the guidelines, the practices that everyone in our community knew we were supposed to follow. The Ten Commandments and these COVID guidelines are similar in that they function as markers of a community. The Israelites were told to follow God's commandments. You know the ones. First, don't have any other gods. Second, they are, we are to honor God's name. Third, we are to keep the Sabbath. I don't have time to go through all ten. You're welcome. I'll stop there. But here's the thing. One of my most distinct memories from Sunday school growing up was reading Martin Luther's explanation of these Ten Commandments. Luther explains the commandments in a way that makes them impossible to be kept. We get to thou shall have no other gods, and I was like, <laughs> I'm a Christian, no problemo. And then Luther, Luther defines a god as anything you put above God. So your education, your job, your family, financial security, chocolate in my case, disqualifies you from fulfilling this commandment and I have to admit that I still fail at that commandment. You are to honor God's name and keep it holy, which Sunday school me defined as swearing, and because I knew that was bad and didn't do it, I thought, <laughs> no problem. But honoring God's, honoring God's name isn't really not swearing so much as understanding the power of who God is and when we use God's name. Using our words to honor the goodness that God's putting into this world, not blaming God for our misdoing or perpetuating hate surrounding who God is, because we know that not to be true. And even in my Sunday school days, I could see how sometimes I didn't quite get that one right either. We kept going down the list, and even one that I thought was a slam dunk. We get to thou shall not kill, and I thought, no problem. I will never kill anybody. Sunday school teacher proved me wrong. And they did. It was great. Um, Luther explains killing as including the killing of one's spirit, which is to say any hate or meanness or aggression coming out of you towards another person is to kill them. It is to harm them emotionally. And I have an older sister, so I had already failed at that one as well. <laughs> we are not able to keep these commandments, this marker of the Christian community. But the thing is that we're not supposed to be able to keep these commandments. If we were, they would be too simple and they wouldn't be calling the best of us out into the world. They're not like the contract I signed with my apartment complex because they operate on God's continual and consistent grace. There's no expulsion for not following these rules. We are just asked to try and to cultivate goodness. So we will never be able to keep these commandments. And we're always going to fail at our side of God's covenant. But I think the question still needs to be asked, what do we do knowing that we're going to fail? 
And Martin Luther answered that question for me as well. You see, in our small catechism, we get the Ten Commandments and Luther's explanation of how impossible they are. And it is followed by the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer, which are to say God's consistent love and grace for us. The Apostles' Creed is the declaration of the love story between God and humanity and how God continued to choose us to be God's people. The Lord's Prayer is this personal connection, knowing that we can ask God for the things that we need because God provides daily bread. Which means that the Ten Commandments are really only one marker of this Christian community. We are striving to be people who love as well as God does, which we have laid out for us in this document, but God's love is not contingent on our ability to follow those commandments. Even for the Israelites, the Ten Commandments were not the marker or sign of God's love. The Ten Commandments only came after God took the Israelites out of Egypt. God had already shown that God was for the Israelites and that God loved them. It was never contingent upon their following of these rules. And so, from the place of belonging, from the place of knowing that we are God's people, we take the Ten Commandments and try to show our love to the world. Following the commandments are how we can belong to God's people, how we can define our attempts at loving people as well as God loves us, but God's love is not contingent upon them. And most days in my apartment complex, I see everyone following our contracts. We all signed on to them. We know that they're there to keep us safe. And in general, people are able to complete their side of the contract. But sometimes someone takes the trash out without a mask on and runs into someone in the hallway. Or people get a little bit too excited to see their friends or their friend's dog, and we get a little too close. Every once in a while, there's someone extra at a picnic taking us over the 10-person limit, and we just do our best. And that's probably more so how we need to approach these commandments Rather than them being strict rules put in place by God, it is this give and take, this doing the best we can and accepting that we will fail sometimes. The guidelines are a marker of our community, but not the end-all be-all for whether or not you belong. You see, right after these kids pointed out accidentally that someone did not belong in our community, a parent brought out a package of disposable masks, threw them on the picnic table, and invited everyone to put one on. Welcoming those kids into our playground and sharing the abundance of joy that was to be found there with them. Because the guidelines are a marker of our community, but not something that is to exclude anyone who might want to join. Because when your community is founded in grace and in love, everyone can be welcomed into the fold, no matter how many times you have forgotten your mask or accidentally killed your sister. 
And so on this rally day and every day, we show our kids what it means to be part of this community, to belong to the UD, uh, to belong to UDLC, to belong to the worldwide church, to be a baptized member, to be loved by Jesus Christ. We show them that by singing Jesus loves me. And though we fail practicing those 10 commandments, we wake up each morning remembering that no matter how many times we failed, we are still a part of God's community because God says we belong to God and therefore we belong to God's people. And if we can teach that to our kids, I think we've done our jobs. Happy Rally Day, everybody.